And we're going to open the Bible together. So grab a Bible. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. An usher will give you a Bible. When you find that Bible, find 2 Corinthians chapter 8 this morning. Here's the headline above everything that we're going to be talking about this morning. Great things happen when God's people give, especially when they give generously. That's the headline. Okay, so now let's make it just a little bit more personal, shall we? Great things happen in our lives and through our lives when we give, and especially when we give generously. Now, I could get even more personal. Great things will happen in your life and through your life as a follower of Christ when you give, and especially when you give generously. Now, I don't want you to panic this morning because we're talking about giving. The scariest church service that I've ever attended was in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was sitting in the back. I was a young Christian. Church service started, and the pastor got up, and he said, we're going to ask the ushers to close and lock the doors. (laughs) God has shown me there are five people here this morning that are going to each give $5,000, and we're not leaving until that happens. (laughs) Freaked me out of my mind. I'm like, what? are you talking about? And the ushers were like kind of standing like at the doors. And then it proceeded from there to get weirder and weirder. I won't even go into it, okay? I just want you to know we're not bolting and locking the doors this morning, okay? And really what I want you to know is that we're really not talking about money this morning. What we're talking about is we're talking about the condition of our hearts, We're talking about the way that we choose to live our lives as Christ followers. It's a message that I want to call living a life of gospel generosity. Living a life of gospel generosity. Now, we've been doing a series of sermons on practices of the Christian life. And there is a practice of the Christian life, and it's the practice of generosity. I call it gospel generosity generosity. Our text is 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 15. It's really an amazing passage. It might not catch your interest at first. When you read 2 Corinthians, you might say, well, this isn't the most exciting passage, but it actually is an exciting passage. Take a look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We want you to know brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means. As I can testify... And beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief effort for the saints. 
and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel also in this act of grace. And in your bulletin, that's our key verse for today. Really, the whole passage is a key verse. But this verse to me is so intriguing. As you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, and in our love for you. So as Christians, you're excelling in all kinds of things. You're excelling in faith. You're excelling in earnestness and in knowledge. You're growing in your knowledge. You're studying your Bible. You're meditating on Scripture. You're doing the practices of the Christian life. He says, okay, you're excelling in all that. Now I want you to also excel in this act of grace, or as one translation says, that you excel in the grace of giving in your life. It's a part of Christian maturity. Add it to the list. We have prayer, we have Bible reading, we have meditation. There's all these things. And he adds to the list. He says, here's something that you should be excelling at. And that is the grace of generous giving. Let's read on. Verse 8, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Can we just pause for a minute on that verse? You know, that's one of the great gospel verses in the whole New Testament. Did you know that? It's a fantastic verse. Can I read it again? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. That's the essence of the gospel. It is the life and the death of Christ on the cross and the resurrection, because now through his blessing we become rich in the gift of God through Christ. There's the gospel right there. In verse 10 he says, And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that is a matter of fairness. Your abundance at the present time should supply the need, their needs so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathers much had nothing left over, and whoever has gathered little had no lack. This passage is about two things. It's about a real pressing need, and it's about the response of two different groups of people to that need. So there's a real pressing need. You may be thinking, what in the world's going on here? Well, 
there was a crisis back in Jerusalem. There was a crisis in Judea. The Christians there were suffering. There could be lots of reasons for their suffering. I mean, for one, they were an ostracized community uh, in Judea, in, in this community that was filled with Jews, and now they have withdrawn from Judaism and made their allegiance to Christ, and it's causing some problems, and it may be that they're suffering economically because of that. We don't know all the dynamics, but there's a problem there, and Paul actually is raising money to send to the churches in Jerusalem, Judea, to send to the brothers and sisters because there's a real need there. So this passage is about basically taking an offering for a real need, but it's also about the response of two different groups of people, two different groups. One group are the Christians in Macedonia. Okay, so if you think of Greece, if you think of modern-day Greece, Corinth is, is sort of at the bottom of Greece, and then if you go up on the kind of the right side of Greece, and you go up a ways, that's the area of Macedonia. And so, you know, they're sort of, they're close to each other, but there's two different groups of people, and they have each responded differently to this need. The Macedonians have been generous. They just want to give. In fact, they begged for the privilege of giving. They're so into it. They're like, oh man, we want to get in on this. We want to give. It was amazing. The Corinthians, not so much. The Corinthians, what we learn in the passage, it's really fascinating to me, is the Corinthians had been thinking about it for quite some time, but they couldn't pull the trigger on giving. They're thinking about it. They go, That's a good idea. You know, I really think somebody should do something about that. <laughs> you know, I don't know. We're making preparations, but we're not ready to write the check. That's where they were at in Corinth, right? So what happens is, Paul is comparing two groups of people and their response to the need that is there. And hidden in the text is this powerful verse showing that the practice of generous giving is a key element in Christian maturity. Remember, we, we camped on it for a minute in verse 7. As you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and earnestness and our love for you, See that you also excel in this act of grace or in the grace of giving. Key verse. It's a key part of the Christian life. It's a key part of Christian maturity. So we're not just really talking about giving or taking an offering. We're talking about living a life of gospel generosity. And that's my key. I want to invite you this morning into a life of gospel generosity as a follower of Christ. And I have four things this morning that I want to bring to you from this. The first point is this. Gospel generosity is an attitude. It's an attitude that says God has blessed me so that I can bless others. Now, I don't have it on a slide. I wish I did, but I'm not so good with the technology, so I don't like to make slides. Okay, just hear me. Write this down. If you have a pen, I want you to think about this. Gospel generosity, it begins with an attitude that says, God has blessed me so that I can bless others. And when I bless others, I get blessed in return. The word 
blessed is kind of, I don't know, it's, it's general. Like, what does that mean? God has blessed me so that I might bless others. It just sounds too general. So I want to change the word blessed to give. God has given to me so that I might give to others. And when I give to others, God gives to me in return. Why in the world would I say that? Did you notice the word grace in this passage? It starts in verse 1. Take a look at chapter 8 and verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. The word grace is a key term in this passage. Do you know that the word grace in Greek actually means a gift? When we think of grace, we have all this huge theology that goes with our word grace, you know, and all kinds of things come into the mind of a Christian depending on how long you've been a Christian, with the word grace. But the word grace actually literally means a gift. A gift. And this word grace is peppered throughout the passage. God gives a gift. The Macedonians give a gift. Other people need to receive a gift. See that you excel in this Grace of giving in that key verse, it's the same word grace, it's the word gift. See that you excel in a life of generous giving. That's how the theme unfolds in our passage. And you might be able to see that there's kind of a loop that happens in here. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 8.1, I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, pay attention to the pattern. Do you see the pattern here? There's a pattern. They are recipients of grace in Macedonia, and they know it. They know that God has given them the grace. That's verse 1. The grace of God that has been given amongst the churches. They've received a gift. They are receiving a gift from God. And it's powerful in their lives. Now, the next thing that happens, that's overflowed now in generosity to others. They have an attitude that they live with, and that is that God has blessed us. God has given to us so that we might have something to bless or to give to others. And you know what? When we give, God enriches our lives in amazing ways. No wonder they begged. They begged for the opportunity. They're saying, we're begging you, please. Here, take our gift, please. Why? Because they have the spiritual maturity to understand what's happening. There is a kind of a gospel loop that happens. This is the gospel pattern of God's work in our lives. First, you receive, then you give. It's really simple. You receive, you give. You receive, you give. You receive, and what happens if you don't give? Does the loop get broken? You receive, you give. You receive, you give. 
It's the pattern of God's gospel work in our lives. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. It's the gospel pattern of God's work in our lives. It's amazing. Think about this gospel pattern. The day that I gave my life to Christ, I prayed to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. It's a remarkable day in my life. I was at a church service. I I came after the service to pray with someone to give my life to Jesus. I went to a prayer room, kind of like this. I went behind the curtain. I didn't know who was going to be back there. I was kind of freaked out. I I went back there to pray with someone, you know, to receive Christ. And I went back and I prayed a prayer to put my faith in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You know what happened? A guy came up to me that I had never met and sat down next to me. And he had around his neck a big leather cross hanging on a piece of leather. This was the 70s. And he he took the leather cross off of his head and he put it around my neck. And he said, the day that I gave my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, a man came to me and took this cross off of himself and he put it on me. And he said, I want to give you this cross so that you can remember this moment when you gave your life to Jesus. One year later, I shared my testimony with a young man and had the opportunity to pray with him to give his life to Jesus. The first time I had ever been able to share my testimony and lead someone to faith in Christ. It was amazing. You know what I did? I took the leather cross off. And I put it around his neck. And I said, the day that I gave my life to Jesus, somebody gave me this cross. It had been given to him. And now I'm giving it to you. And that young man went on to become a pastor in his life. Isn't that cool? You receive, you give. You receive, you give. There's a great gospel two-part pattern that works in our lives. And it's amazing. This is the key to a gospel generosity life, an attitude that says God has blessed me so that I can bless others in return. And so the question is, what has God given you? So what has God given you? Let's take that attitude now and flesh it out. What has the Lord given you in your life? Now, the assumption in the passage is that God has given you something And you do have something to give. Maybe you saw it in these verses. If we go back to chapter 8 in verse 10, he says, And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to desire, uh, not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing of it. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. The assumption is you actually have something to give. God has given you something to give. So what is it that you have to give? When we think of giving, we often think of money. But I love the the little three-part formula, time, talents, treasure. (laughs) Have you heard that one? Time, talents, treasure. Time, talents, treasure. What has God given you in your life? Time, 
talents, treasure. About 13 years ago, it would have been about the time that Christopher came on staff, I was giving a sermon on giving, which is a rare occasion at River West. Somebody said to one of our pastors, I've never been in a church where they talk less about giving than River West, so we're making up for it today. <laughs> but 13 years ago, I did this sermon on giving, and I said something similar. It's like, what do you have to give? What has God given you to give? Why did he give it to you? Maybe it's so you can bless somebody else. Why don't you go home and think about that? So I went home that afternoon. I sat in my office, and I looked across my room, and there was my acoustic guitar amplifier, precious, my precious, <laughs> hand-built, amazing, like the best acoustic amp rig ever. And I'm looking across the room, and I felt like the Lord said to me, maybe you need to bless somebody with that. I'm like, no. Nah. <laughs> I'm like, God's like, maybe, maybe that's not for you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, all right. So there's a guy in our church who was a professional musician, amazing guy. And I called him and I said, God's telling me to give my amp to you. Come and get it quickly. <laughs> Come now. <laughs> and I gave my amp to this guy, right? Amazing. Amazing, and I've heard stories of how God has used it. It's been an amazing thing. Several months ago, Marina and I went over to pray with a couple from our church, and we had heard that um, this couple, that, that the wife was suffering with kidney disease. And we're like, oh, man, we need to go over and pray with them. So we went to the house, sat down, heard the story, prayed a prayer. I'm praying this prayer, and when I get done with the prayer, Maureen says, I'll give you my kidney. And I'm like, honey, do you think we should go home and talk about this? <laughs> like, she's like, no, God's showing me, I'll give you my kidney. So we went home and had a little talk. And it set us on this journey. And, um, and indeed, it came to pass. So about eight weeks ago, my wife went in for surgery and she donated a kidney and it's been an amazing, incredible experience. But when we went home and we talked, the thing that was so impressive to me, and I'm thinking, man, I gave my amp. <laughs> You're giving your kidney, I gave my amp. But the thing that impressed me was, you know, my wife, she said, look at, she said, God has blessed me with health. Because to do this, you have to go through all these tests. You have to be super healthy to do it, right? God has blessed me with health. He's given me the ability to do this. He's given me a personal story. There's, there's more to the story in her background um, with one of her sisters who lost a kidney and kind of her whole story. And so God has brought me to this place. All of this, he's brought me to this place, and he's given me the ability to bless someone in this way and so that's what I need to do and you know what I'm going to tell you it's been an amazing experience it's been so amazing because the Lord when you give something dynamic happens 
and it happens in your own life. God blesses in that. What do you have to give? Time, talents, treasure, a kidney, right? What do you have to give in your life? That's the question. And you know what? That's a really important. And I can tell you this. When God's people give, good things happen. So what's your attitude about the stuff in your life? Everything. So here's, think about this. Everything in your life is a gift to you from God. That's like one of the marks of, of Christian maturity. If you go, this is my stuff. It's my stuff. If that's not Christian maturity, if you go, everything in my life is a gift. God has given me this as a gift. I'm a steward of this thing. I'm a steward of my body. I'm a steward of my time. I'm a steward of my house. I'm a steward of my finances. All of this God has given me, it's his gift to me, right? And the assumption is that I can use this to bless someone in Jesus' name. Here's the second point. Gospel generosity believes that God is able to multiply what we give. God is able to multiply your gift until it overflows beyond anything you could ever imagine. So now we've got to skip a chapter because he's going to go on and talk about this issue for a while in 2 Corinthians. You get to chapter 9 and verse 8. Where it says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. What does the word grace mean? Gift or giving. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed for the sower, bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for growing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. There's a kind of a theme that threads its way through chapter 8 and chapter 9. I call it the theme of multiplication or the theme of overflow, the theme of abundance. There's just an abundance is bursting forth in all of this. Now, sometimes if you're at a prosperity church where they teach along these lines with, if you give, God will give back to you like 10 times, fourfold. If you give, God will fill your bank account. So that's the principle of multiplication. That's not what's being said in this passage. (laughs) What it's saying is, if you give, God has the power to multiply your gift for righteousness, for good, for impact in the world, in your life and in others. It's the principle of multiplication. God can multiply your gift in ways you cannot even imagine. Now, I'm so excited to say that Pastor Nopum is coming from Myanmar in September. So this will be the second time that he's been here, and it's going to be amazing. And I, I think... I'm pretty sure that September 29th he'll be here and he'll be sharing a message for us at this church. And that's just an amazing thing. God is doing amazing work over there. But I have to roll the tape back. I have to tell you a story. Okay, and I'm praying I get this right. So Tony and Amy, if you're listening to this message on the internet, forgive me if I get the details exactly wrong. But this is how I remember it. 
So Tony and Amy Nash, members of our church, moved to Singapore. He was working for The Economist magazine. And while he was working there, he's involved with his church and doing mission stuff. But he had a domestic worker in his house. Like in Southeast Asia, almost everybody has a worker who works in the house. And oftentimes they live with them. And sometimes they're so poor that they can't live anywhere. They just live in the house. So this worker was from Myanmar. And she was very poor. And she lived with their family and did the chores and helped with the children and that type of thing. And Tony and Amy thought, we have to help this young lady. And so they took her aside and they said, this is what you need to do with your money. They went and they opened a bank account for her. They showed her about how to save money. They paid her well. And she started saving money. And this doesn't happen, you know. But she's saving this money. And then one day she comes and she says, I'm leaving. I'm going back to Myanmar. And they're like, what? What do you mean? And she said, I'm going back. I've saved enough money to buy a piece of land, and I'm going to go back and get married in Myanmar. It was like a dream. And she said, I want you to come to the wedding. So they flew to the wedding. And if memory serves right, Pastor Nopum was officiating at the wedding. And that was when, now Tony had heard of Nopum before, but he hadn't met him. And that was when Nopum said to him, do you know anyone in America that can help us? And Tony emailed me and said, I know you guys are doing a lot, but what do you think about helping? And I'm like, absolutely. So we got on a plane and flew over there. And it's, it's amazing. We got involved and started seeing amazing things happen and we're sponsoring boarding homes and, you know, training leaders and doing all these things. And it's just like this snowball happened. And then we started talking about this PYDC, a, uh, a youth development center, which is the centerpiece of this evangelistic strategy that Nopum has developed. And we're like, we have to help. And I was talking to the church, somehow we have to help this. And God put it on someone's heart in our church to give a sizable amount of money to build a building for the PYDC. And that happened. And actually, as we speak, that building is being built. And when I go, presumably in January, to teach leaders over there, it will be in that building. Now, why am I telling you this? Because everything started with the generosity of one Christian couple that simply said, we need to be generous to this domestic worker. We, need, we just need to be generous. And they took extra time and extra effort and extra kindness with her. And where has that led? That has led to a ministry that is impacting the country of Myanmar in amazing ways. See, this is what gospel generosity actually believes, that God is able to multiply our gifts. The little boy came. What did he have? A couple of loaves and fishes. Jesus said, just give them to me. Let's multiply that. Gospel generosity believes in the ability of God to multiply our gifts. The fine people at Lake Grove Christian Church decided that 
God wanted them to give their building to River West Church. And so just over 10 years ago, they gave us that building. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing gift. They just gave us their building. It was quite valuable. And it was because of that gift that we're here today, right? Isn't that amazing? In order to get into this building, we had to do one of the very few fundraising things we've ever done at the church. We had to actually raise $500,000 because we needed, that's the amount of cash we needed, you know, to close the deal. And someone in our church generously said, we will give $250,000 as a matching fund because we believe in multiplication. <laughs> and so the $250,000, when people gave, it doubled their giving. And you know what? We raised $500,000. Now, what am I saying? I'm talking about this principle of multiplication. And it's true and it's amazing. And you need to know that your time your treasure, your talent, the kidney doesn't get multiplied. Well, actually, it does. No, it does. It does. It does. Because of the paired donation program. So actually, Marine's kidney went to person A over here. Didn't go to the person in our church because there wasn't a, a tissue match. But went to this person A over here. And that person had a donor whose kidney went over here to the person in our church. Sometimes these kidney donations, I talked to the doctor one time there were 16 kidneys involved because one person pulled the trigger on giving. All these people were waiting and like dominoes began to fall. It's multiplication, multiplication. When you give, great and amazing things happen. Point number three, gospel generosity isn't about rule keeping. It's about love. It's about love. Take a look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 8, 8. I say this not as a command. I'm just going to stop there. I say this not as a command. You think about what Paul was doing. Paul's threading the needle on this one. He's not like an authority saying, you people have got to give. I'm going to send some people down there. We're going to take an offering. We're locking the doors until no one's getting out. I say this not as a command. But what? What does he say? He says, but to prove the earnestness, to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. He says, I'm not commanding you, but I am comparing. I want to inspire you. I don't want to command you. I want to inspire you by the Macedonians. Look at these guys. They're begging to give. They're blessed. They're overflowing with joy. Look at them. Don't you want to be like that? It's not about rule keeping. It's about love. It's about loving God and loving others. And if the pattern is you receive, you give, receive, give, receive, give. If you receive and then you stop, it's like you break the pattern. And that the flow of God's love gets stifled in our lives. And so it's not about rule keeping, it's about love. And my final point, gospel generosity works best in a community with trusted leaders. So I want you to think about this one. It works best in a community with trusted leaders. Now here's what happens in the passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 16. But thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, is going to you of his own accord. And with him we are sending the brother 
who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace. Grace means gift. That is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. What's he doing? He's saying, I want to tell you something. I'm sending you some people, and they're trusted. They're trusted leaders. They're leaders with integrity. They're leaders who are honest. And that's the environment in which generous giving operates best. So where should you give? I am a huge fan of giving to the local church. And one of the reasons why is because it's your church home and you can see what's happening right in front of your own eyes. Now, for those of you who don't know me, I'm the founding pastor of River West Church. So I've been here for 30 years. And so I've kind of seen the whole thing. Almost two years ago, I stepped down from my position as the senior pastor at the church, handed that position over to Adam. And amazing, I'm still here. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. They let me stay. And I'm still here. And I love that. And today I want to say to you that I'm still here with 100% confidence in the leadership of our church. 100%. I know the leaders. I know the track record. And I have complete trust. And that's why I'm here. You know, it's, I just, I'm so thankful to be a part of this church, but part of it is because I see the great things that are happening and I see the stewardship of the church. Fantastic stewardship. You think about this, Green Tree Church. When we got into the Green Tree Building, which was a financial stretch for us, and the building was paid off in 10 years. Building was debt-free, paid off in 10 years. All the while, increasing ministry in the world and in River West. You know how that happens? It happens from good leadership and it happens from good stewardship. And then we came into this building and you know what happened? In less than 10 years, the building was paid off. The building's paid off. Isn't that amazing? It's so awesome that that happened. And all the while, increasing ministry in our city and around the world. You know that happens? It happens from good leadership and it happens from good stewardship and that's amazing. So what do we do now that the building's paid off? I heard you know, some people talking when, on Sunday that oh, the building's paid off. They're like, the building's paid off? Well then we should do this, that, and the other and they, you know, they kind of got worked up about it. And I'm like, no, the building's paid off. What does that mean? That means we can do more ministry. That means that the leadership is trustworthy. That means that we can entrust our gifts into this community and actually see what's happening. That's the context that is best for our giving. I believe it with all my heart. So now the question is, what will we do? What will we give? How will God multiply our gifts? And I want to say, what has God given you to give? But I'm afraid I'm going to go home and God's going to tell me to give my guitar away. 
But I, I guess I actually am going to say it. Okay, the time has come to pull the trigger on giving. The time has come. At Corinth, they're like, no, time hasn't come yet. No, time hasn't come yet. Yeah, we're thinking about that. We're, give, we're studying the matter, you know. <laughs> and, but they couldn't, they just couldn't get there to actually doing it. And Paul is saying, the time has come to pull the trigger on giving. The time has come, brothers and sisters, to pull the trigger on regular giving in the offering or online, however you do it. Regular giving to the church. You might be saying, well, I just haven't come to that yet. Well, the time has come to pull the trigger on that. The time has come to pull the trigger on that one-time gift. You've been thinking about it. It's like that large gift, you know. It's like, yeah, boy, what could happen, you know, if I gave this, you know, to a ministry or to an endeavor. Well, maybe the time has come to pull the trigger. The time has come to pull the trigger on opening your home for ministry, being generous with the things that God has given you. The time has come to pull the trigger on investing your time in ministry things, okay? Because this is maturity. See that you excel in this practice of generous giving in your life and great things are going to happen in your life and through your life, in our lives and through our lives. Now, I don't know if this message has made you uncomfortable and actually I think if it hasn't made you uncomfortable, I've probably done a bad job, (laughs) right? Because we're being stretched, okay? We're being stretched in our lives and we're being stretched in our maturity and we're being transformed in our perspectives about our time and our treasure and our talent and our mission and about what is possible uh, through God and through the gospel. And all of that is great. It's, It's why we're here. So let's pray and have the worship team come forward. And no, we're not gonna take a second offering. Let's say a prayer. Lord, thank you for how you challenge us in your word, Lord. I love it, Lord. I love how you come and you give us a different perspective, a gospel perspective, Lord. So needed, so refreshing, God. How we thank you, Lord, for the generosity that has already been shown at River West through the years in so many ways. How we thank you for how you've multiplied each gift beyond what we could even imagine, Lord. How beautiful is that? How we thank you, Lord, for a church where there's integrity in leadership and where we can trust the leadership, Lord, and the stewardship. How we thank you, Lord, for these things. What a great blessing to us. And Lord, we're excited, like the Macedonians, because... um, you know, we, we want to see you increase joy in our own lives, increase freedom in our own lives, increase meaning and purpose and vision in our own lives, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that this gospel pattern of receiving and giving might be stamped deep within our hearts and minds. And not only that, but as a practice, Lord, We'll see where it leads by your grace and by your gift. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.